0: All right, friends, we're coming to the time in the service uh, where we open the scriptures and we interpret them for one another. So uh, if you have your Bible, now's a good time to open it and turn to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, and we're going to read from chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, But this is the Old Testament prophet, and this is what God is saying to God's people through the words of the prophet. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. May God add his blessing to the reading and the understanding and the doing of his holy word. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Friends, I want to tell you is my conviction today that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, for the life of the person sitting next to you. God has a plan for every person who's in this room today, a plan for your household, a plan for your work, a plan for your playtime, a plan for your rest time, a plan for what you do with your money, a plan for what you do with your spiritual gifts, and all the other resources that God has given you. God has a plan for you. God also has a plan for us corporately. God has a plan for this church, for the people called Timberlake. And the basic plan at its most base level is this. God wants to save you from condemnation and sin and then use you, bless you, so that you can help God save other people. That's the basic plan. That's what the story of this book is about. God saving people in Christ and then inviting them to come and help save others with that same good news. Okay. So here's the reality. The church is a boat. How many of you knew the church is a boat? Okay. But it's not a cruise ship. All right. It's not, despite what you may have heard. Okay. You are not here to be waited on hand and foot. You're actually here to serve someone else. Okay. So the church is not a cruise ship. The church is a rescue boat. Anybody here been in the Coast Guard? Any coast, Coasties? Okay. Yeah. So that's what the Coast Guard does all the time, right? Rescue people. So this is a spiritual metaphor for how we understand sin and salvation. Uh, sin is like an ocean, and we're drowning in it. We are, drowned, we are out there in the water drowning, and the only way for you to be saved is if the boat, the church, sees you and comes alongside you and rescues you, pulls you up out of the water. Jesus is the captain of the ship, okay? And the sailors are all the church people from all the churches all around the world who are working with Jesus to rescue people. And once you get rescued and once you've had a nice hot cup of cocoa and had a warm shower and you've gotten cleaned up, then you get put to work, right? And Jesus says, hey, I'm glad you're here. We got some more work to do. We got some more people who need to be saved. And so your job is to work with Jesus to find more drowning people and come alongside them and pull them up out of their predicament and save them so that no one in these waters would perish But they would all have everlasting life. Now, everybody has a role to play on the boat, right? And some people are good at spotting lost people in the water, and some are good at navigation, and some are good at boat maintenance, and some are good at making dinner for the crew, right? Thank God. Some are good at healing wounds of those who have been rescued. Some are good at teaching new sailors how it works. And one of the things you learn as a new sailor is when you see someone in the water, you don't just jump in after them, right? You get prepared. You put on a life vest. You put on a harness and get some rope. You get one of those rings, right? And, And you toss it to them. You go with a strategy. You go with a plan. There is a plan for saving people. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Friends, God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for us. God has a plan for this church. And it's good, not harmful. It is plans for a future with God knows the plans that he has. The Bible says God knows the plans that he has for you. And what I want you to see is if you ask him, God will tell you about those plans. The next verse says this, you will call on me and come and pray to me. God says, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you call on God and come to him in prayer, God will hear you. And when you seek after God earnestly, sincerely, with your heart, you will find Him. Friends, that is the promise of the Scripture. You will find God. And I've found, as a pastor talking with people like you about God's plan for your life, I know people who think about that a lot, right, and worry about that a lot and, and wring their hands over it and wonder a lot, what, what could be God's plan for my life? You know, that's the kind of question that keeps us up at night. And I know people, they make predictions and they make wild guesses about it and they even argue over it with other people they love. And sometimes they even spend a lot of time uh, feeling bad that they haven't followed the plan more closely in the past. But how much time do you spend praying about it? We think about it, worry over it, lose sleep over it. How much time do you spend praying about God's plan for your life? Because the promise is if you seek God in prayer, you will find him. And if you speak to God, God will listen to you. Friends, welcome to week three in our series. It's called Now What? During January, we're talking about living with purpose. And we said in week one that living with purpose takes courage to give your life away, to actually serve someone else other than yourself. And then in week two, we said that living with purpose takes vision. You need to have a mental picture of your spiritual reality so that you can see the future. And today I want to say to you that living with purpose takes a plan. You need a plan for your life. God has a plan for you, for your life. God wants to share it with you. And how we hear that message about a plan, I think sometimes depends on who we are, because some of us are free spirits and some of us are planners, right? So how many of you are free spirits? Raise your hand. All the free spirits in the room. Yes. Some of the free spirits can't wait to put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. And some of you are planners. How many of you are planners? Yeah, way more. I don't know what it is about this church, but there's way more planners than free spirits. Uh, Same thing at the 830 service. Uh, So when we start talking about strategic plans, the free spirits get a little uncomfortable, right? And they say, whoa, 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 hold on. Don't box me in. You know, I want to be spontaneous. I want life to be adventurous. Don't give me too many rules. I'll, I'll make it up as I go along. That's how I like to do it, right? And the free spirits tend to resist the plan because it's boring. It's boring. Now, the planners, on the other hand, the planners love a plan. They're like, yes, I'll get my calendar. I'll get my to-do list. We will plan the heck out of this thing. Step one, two, three, 100. I know, I'll get an Excel spreadsheet. And it'll be awesome. And meanwhile, the free spirits are like, you're kidding me. Excel is the worst. And the planners are like, no, Excel is the best. Here's what I want you to hear. Whether you are a free spirit or whether you are a planner, I want you to consider God's plan for your life, okay? So let me say this. Free spirits, free spirits, I want you to consider that God is a planner. God makes plans. God has plans. God gives expectations, right? God gives rules and boundaries. And the free spirits are like, ah, that's a little uncomfortable. But God says, look, if you live within the boundaries that I'm giving you, you'll actually have freedom. You'll actually be liberated because you won't be weighed down by those same things that you were weighed down by before, right? And so that's a good thing, that God has a plan. Now, planners, planners, don't think you've got it all figured out because you don't. Because here's what I find. Planners, and I'm I'm one, we're good at making our plans, aren't we? Like, oh, I know what I want to do. I know what I would prefer. But sometimes God's plan is different than our plan, isn't it? And here's what, planners, I need you to understand. God's not only a planner. God is also a free spirit. God is a free spirit. Who can contain and control the wind? We cannot, can we? We cannot contain the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit moves where the Spirit wants to go. And so the challenge for the planners like some of you and, and like me is, are we willing to be flexible? Are we willing to get on board with what God wants to do? Are we willing to change our plans To match with God's plan? Hello. God is a planner. God is a free spirit. God has a plan for your life. God knows the plans that he has for you. Plans for a hope and a future. And if you seek him, you will find him. Now sometimes the plans that God gives us Uh, they're, they're sort of general, right? Like here's go this direction generally. And sometimes they're very specific. And I want to try to give you an example of each, because I think sometimes we expect a blueprint to fall out of heaven, but it's not always like that. Sometimes it's just sort of general and you feel it in your gut and other people confirm it. So uh, when I was dating my now wife, Donna, and I thought, man, this lady is special. I, I think I might want to spend the rest of my life with her. I prayed about that a lot. And I'm a very deliberate decision maker. And so I prayed for a long time, and God said, "Brad, she's the one for you. She's the one for you." Now that's basically it. That's all the plan that I got. I did not get a plan about where we would live, or how many kids we would have, or any heads up at all about how angry she would get when I ate her leftovers from chili. If you eat Donna's leftovers from Chili's, there is that's going to be a problem, right? <laughs> Do not eat the leftovers they're left over for a reason. Like I saved half. Okay. So just the plan was like, marry this girl and then trust me for the rest. That was the plan. Okay. So same time in my life, uh, I'm discerning a call to ministries uh, and I'm I'm, I'm in my mid twenties and God gives me a very specific plan. Okay. So God says, you're going to be the pastor of a local church. And you're going to serve the church of your childhood, Brad, the United Methodist Church. And you're going to go to seminary at Duke Divinity School. And God said, I've got a a vision for you. And God said, you're going to lead people to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And God said, you're like the clay, Brad, and I'm the potter. And I'm going to form you and shape you and mold you into the kind of pastor and person that I want you to be. And you'll turn out to be something beautiful. But it'll be uncomfortable in the meantime because, you know, when you're the clay, man, you get mashed around and molded and shaped and it's uncomfortable. But all of this came as the plan from God, very specific, very specific plan from God for my life. Sometimes it's general, sometimes it's specific. Always, always there's a plan. And what I want you to understand, friends, living with purpose takes a plan. You need a plan and God has one for you. Now we covered some of this last week, but I want to recap it again. Uh, There's a why, there's a what, and there's a how. The why is the mission. Why do, why do you exist? What is your, your purpose in life? The church's why is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The what is the vision. What does it look like to fulfill that mission? What's the mental picture of our spiritual reality that we're moving into together? What's the vision for your life? What's my vision for my life? And finally, the how is the plan. Okay, so it's how are we going to accomplish the mission? It's how are we going to realize the vision? This is the strategic plan, it's the how. And I find that when we talk about plans in church, even the planners sometimes get a little uncomfortable because they think, "Uh, this doesn't sound like church talk, preacher. You know, isn't that really better reserved for the boardroom?" You know, it doesn't seem like church kind of subject isn't that better reserved for the corporate life out there in the world and it doesn't seem like a very spiritual thing as if you know as if if we were truly faithful and truly spiritual then we would just get on our knees and pray and then magically poof like whatever god wanted to do god would do and it would be very very spiritual but consider this what if prayer and planning go together what if prayer is a way to access god's plan for us What what if uh, planning is a spiritual activity for the people of God? Uh, What if the God who has counted all the hairs on your head is interested in all the other details of your daily life? Don't you think that's possible? I think so. I think so. When you look at the Bible, you see God has plans for his people. Okay, so uh, God looked around the earth and saw it was evil and God wanted to start over, so God said to Noah... You're going to build a boat. You're going to build an ark, right? But it wasn't just, hey, man, whatever kind of boat you want. There was a very specific plan on how Noah was to build it. Genesis chapter 6. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its width, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it a cubit above and put a door in, in the ark and its side. Make it with the lower and a second and third decks. There's a plan, right? There's a plan for building the boat. Another example in the New Testament, when Jesus is sending his disciples out into the world, he gives them particular instructions on how they are to bring the message of the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 10, the story says, the Lord appointed 72 and sent them two by two. Ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go, he told them, Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Okay, so notice. Jesus does not say, hey, bros, just get out there and make it happen, man, whatever you feel like. Oh, let your heart lead you, right? Like something off of Facebook. He's like, no, there's a plan. There is a plan. This is what you say. This is what you don't say. This is what you eat. This is what you don't eat. This is where you go. This is where you don't go. There is a plan for the salvation of the world. Now, why is Jesus so caught up in the plan, do you think? First of all, his plan's better than our plan, right? He, secondly, he wants you to be effective. He wants you to actually make a difference. He wants you to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Friends, why would we want to be anything less than completely effective in our efforts? Okay, notice this. Strategy is not enough. A plan by itself is not enough. Of course not. Just having a plan doesn't guarantee you anything okay so we're not talking about strategy instead of faith we're talking about strategy in addition to faith we're talking about strategy that puts faith into action so strategy by itself accomplishes nothing but strategy with faith and the power of the holy spirit can accomplish anything our god has a plan for you and for your life god is in the habit of making plans in partnership with human beings to bring about his work in the world. Psalm 127, verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. In other words, unless God gives the plan, we're just wasting our time. Our efforts must be directed by the Holy Spirit. This must be a God thing that we are doing. Other, words, other Otherwise, our work is pointless and it's not going to last. And so God builds the house. God builds the house. What does that mean? What's your house? Well, well, it's your household. Okay, literally. But it's your relationships. It's your life. It's your work. It's your rest. It's your vocation. It's it's the things that you do to be fulfilled and re-energized. And what I want you to see about this is the Lord builds, yes, but there are laborers also who work for the same purposes. So God does not act alone. Now, If you're the person who likes to point out the exceptions, yes, there are exceptions. Occasionally, God does a miracle, needs no help from human beings, and accomplishes what God wants to do. But that's more rare, right? That's why you call it a miracle. More often than not, God partners with people like you to bring about his purposes and to do his work in the world. And so God builds and we labor. There is a divine partnership between you and God. There is a divine partnership in which God works with you and walks with you to accomplish His purposes in your life and beyond your life. God goes before you to prepare your work. God goes behind you to fix the imperfections. God walks beside you to multiply and to make a difference in what you are doing in the world. When you read this book, you see over and over again, God is in a divine partnership with human beings. Okay, so God worked with Noah to give humanity a fresh start. And then God partnered with Abraham and Sarah to give birth to a new nation. And God partnered with Esther to save the people of God from annihilation. And God partnered with Mary to give birth to the Savior of the world. And in Jesus Christ, this idea really takes on flesh, my friends, because Jesus is fully God and fully human. He is the divine human partnership in the flesh. And you know what that means is Jesus is uniquely qualified to save you. Because only God can save, but only humans need saving. And so Jesus can do what no one else can do, what no other human can do. He can save us. He can forgive our sin and provide salvation for us and for the world. It's my conviction that God wants to partner with us, that God is building this house that we call timberlake okay and not just the the bricks and the mortar but the people right the community that is this church and a god has been partnering with us since 1953 when timberlake church was founded and we've been listening all along for god to speak to us and a couple of years ago a team began meeting in my family room once a month to pray and to talk and to listen for god to speak to us And after a year of doing that work, we said, you know what? God has a plan for this church. God has a vision for this church, and God is sharing it with us. And I want to remind you again this morning what that vision looks like. There's five parts, okay? Part one is that we would be the preeminent children and student ministry in Lynchburg. Part two is that we would be discipling each other in life groups, that we would meet in groups for prayer and for Bible study, and we'd figure out together how do you follow Jesus? The third part is we would feed the hungry people in our community. The fourth part is we would build new space right here on campus for those ministries that are just busting out of their current space. And fifth is that we would plant a new campus of Timberlake somewhere here in our community. Now, since we first shared this with you a year ago, right? So this this vision we first sort of shared and began talking about widely a whole year ago, we've been making plans in the meantime, right? We've been putting the how on the what. So we have teams of children and student ministry leaders who are planning, even right now, how do we build the the most fruitful ministry for children and students that we can build? Uh, We have life groups that continue to meet. Hundreds of you are in groups meeting and encouraging each other in your faith. Uh, We are working together to get our feeding ministries in alignment. And they're organized and and everybody's sort of pulling in the same direction to accomplish the same task and working together to feed hungry children and their families. Skip down to the fifth idea. Planning a second campus, that's still just a dream. It's still just a prayer. There's no plans yet. Some of you have asked me, like, where are we going to do that? And I, I said, I don't know. I have no idea. Lynchburg maybe in the city or in forest I mean who knows what god would say to us for right now it's it's just a dream right it's still it's still just a vision there's no plan yet but go back with me up to the fourth one building new space on campus we have a plan We have a plan and i'm excited to share it with you this morning we have been working on this now for weeks and for months and we've taken some time to put it together in a video so that you can see and hear and understand what is the challenge that we're facing and what is the opportunity that is before us friends check this out we are timberlake church we have a vision to change lives in the name of jesus christ And part of that vision involves creating space on campus where we can live out our core values of grace, hospitality, generosity, and excellence. God is clearly moving in our ministry at Timberlake and equipping us to pursue our mission.
1: Our mission statement uh, to reach, to feed, to release people to come to the hands and feet of Jesus really says it all because that's what we're doing in this meal ministry.
2: I think Timberlake's welcoming in a way that's unlike a lot of churches that I visited.
3: The nursery provides child care for our families to be able to attend worship services and to also attend Wednesday night Bible study and also special events here at church. We offer care Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. to 24 families. So in student
4: ministries, we do a lot of fellowship and we do a lot of bonding with each other and we do as much mission work as we can and we We do a whole lot of Bible study and we play games and just kind of have fun and get to know each other.
0: God has been so good to us. God has blessed us with amazing people and resources, and we are growing quickly.
3: Since I've been a part of Avonlea's Angels, we've offered care to the amount of kids that we could, and we have families that call us. Every week we have people that stop by and ask if we have any openings and uh, it breaks my heart that our waiting list is so big that sometimes we can't even add their names to the list because we don't want to offer a hope to them that they would have a spot when we know that they might not.
2: Modern worship has grown so much. We've uh, more than tripled you know, regular Sunday attendance. We're f- sort of forced to move for safety reasons. Um, and. The location of the Family Life Center has to be a temporary thing. I think it'll be okay for modern worship for a period of time, but I think the number of different room setups, um, that that's going to require, it's going to become taxing after too long.
3: The number of children that we could keep in the nursery probably comfortably would be maybe 20. Some Sundays we average 22 to 24 children. We make it work every single time. We will never turn anyone away. Two or three years ago, we were averaging around maybe 10 people
4: on Wednesday nights, but recently we've had over 30 teenagers regularly. Our two youth rooms are so small and they don't have any air conditioning, so you can imagine what it's like to be crammed in a room with over 30 teenagers, especially in the summer, you know, like it's pretty hot and stinky in there.
2: We talk about hospitality as one of our core values. Now, hospitality is also things like, you know, being able to walk from the coffee bar to the sanctuary without feeling like you're in midtown Manhattan.
1: The old Parsonage was never made to be a food distribution center. There's two parts to hospitality. We can do a good job as people. Our building says otherwise. We have stairs that people have to come in and go up on. And if you're carrying an oxygen bottle, if you're in a wheelchair, or like last week we had a lady with a hip surgery, she couldn't get there.
0: Growth is not unusual for Timberlake. This was Timberlake Church when it was founded in 1953. Over the years, Timberlake has grown from meeting in a tavern to a sanctuary in what is now called The Zone. 20 years ago, when we outgrew that space, we built a new sanctuary and a family life center, and now, to match the continued growth of our ministries and congregation, our building needs to grow again too.
2: Yeah, I sort of feel like we're the goldfish that just got moved into a, a bigger bowl. We've, we felt that the room had really become the limiting factor. And you know, just a few weeks in on January 5th, I think we had over 300 people in there. So my vision is for us to have a new modern worship space that accommodates everybody, that has room to grow. Uh, we can reach uh, many more people if we have greater space for hospitality and those other ministries,
3: we would be able to have all children and staff working together and not having to cross a parking lot. Communication would be a lot better. Our families that have children of different ages could come in to one building. Currently at Avonlea's Angels, we have two main spaces for care: for infants and one for toddlers. It would be great if we offered three spaces to meet them at their non-mobile phase, their starting-to-crawl moving phase, and then their toddler phase. If we're gonna reach more families, we need more space. As we continue to grow, we need more volunteers. It would be awesome to be able to have an area that when parents came in, rather than feeling so congested when they walked into the nursery, that we have just a welcome area. I think that if we had
4: more room, then we would see it even more of a growth in the program. We would be able to do a lot more mission work, a lot more bonding, a lot more activities. When there's more room for people to be, people are much more inclined to come back and to keep coming back.
1: When we get some new space, we can serve the people, make them feel much more at home, and also have the the storage space and the shelf space so that we can take food to them.
2: I think we're undergoing a transformational time at Timberlake. We're moving from sort of who and what we are to what God is calling us to be. You know, Some of the decisions and actions we're going to be taking over the next couple of months, maybe the next couple of years, are really going to set the stage for what Timberlake is going to be for the next several decades. And um, I'm just really excited about this really unlocking the potential
0: of our church. You've heard from some of our Timberlake people about the opportunity for ministry that is in front of us. Imagine what we could do with the resource of even more and better ministry space. A dedicated space for student ministry where our young people can grow in their relationship with Jesus. A Sunday morning hospitality space that is warm and inviting and welcoming. A fill-in station food pantry that we're proud of, that communicates our love to our neighbors. A modern worship sanctuary that has room for all the people and a nursery for our little ones that's near to the worship space and that would double as infant and toddler care Monday through Friday. Friends, our vision is to begin building these spaces this year in 2020, and we need your help. Would you pray for this process and for our leaders? Would you pray for God's call in your life and on our church together? Would you serve? We want you to serve in the ministry. Come to worship each week. Get in a life group and find some way to use your talents to bless others in the name of Jesus. And finally, we want you to consider giving. When you give financially, you make this ministry possible. Friends, imagine with me what we can do together when we work together in the power of the Holy Spirit and we pursue the call of Christ on our lives. With God's direction and our support, this will be the Timberlake Church of the future. Isn't it awesome to be a part of something like this? I'm just blown away. I've seen this video like six or eight times already. It just gives me chills every time because God is doing something here. This is not something I dreamed of. This is not something you came to me and said, hey, we should do this. This is what God is doing, and it's so much bigger than any one of us. And, you know, you see it. The evidence is here. Friends, you are part of the fruit. We were in the zone, and we were crammed in there, and we moved in here. Now, guess what? We're starting to fill up this room. Hallelujah. Because you invited your friends. You made room for the next person to come. It's awesome. It is awesome to be a part of it. We need your help if this is going to be a reality. Okay, we want you to pray about it. Pray for me. Pray for our church council. Pray that God's will would be done. That this is not about what I want or what you want. This is about what God wants. Serve. Please serve in the ministry. If you're not already plugged in, find a way to get plugged in and contribute. Be in worship each week. Get in a life group and find some way to use your gifts and talents to serve. And finally, give. We're going to need your gifts if this is possible. We'll tell you more about that in the weeks and the months to come. The town hall meeting on Wednesday in this room is going to lay out all these specifics. So come with your questions. We're going to share more detailed plans of what this looks like. And you can ask anything. We'll tell you there's no secrets, right? It's all in the wide open. So uh, come Wednesday night. Dinner starts at 5 and goes until 6.15, and then the town hall meeting starts at 6.30. Now, how you hear this, uh, it depends on who you are, okay? So if you're new and you're saying, gosh, I don't know, I'm not sure I want to be involved in this, this is a great time to be new because this is, is new for all of us, right? All of us are taking a step into something that God is doing next. If you have been here a long time or maybe a short time and you're already plugged in, let me sit let me talk to you for a second because some of you are saying to yourself, that sounds cool, but... My plate's already full, Pastor Brad. I'm already doing two things or ten things to make this church happen. Here's my word to you: don't worry. Do not worry. Okay, if this is of God, God is going to make it happen. Okay? God will find a way. And God will use us and bless us to be able to accomplish this together. Do not worry, friends. And and when we say to ourselves, you know what, We, we can't. We just can't do that, we're right. We cannot. But God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you have seen fit to bless your people called Timberlake. You've been blessing us since the early 1950s, Lord, when some men and women gathered at the lake and said, What would happen if we planted a church here and if we reached people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? God, you brought children, God, you brought senior adults, God, you brought families together to worship you, and to study the scripture, and we have grown as a church. And here we are now, Lord. We stand on the shoulders of all those who come before us. We thank you for their faith. We thank you for their invitation to welcome us, and we thank you, God, that we can do the same for the next person who would come, and that we can continue to grow and move and follow faithfully after your son, Jesus Christ. God, let us worship him in spirit and in truth this day and every day, and we pray in his name. Amen.